As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. Amen. Beware of the scribes that like to walk around in long robes. It's okay, go ahead and laugh. It's a very thin line between hypocrisy and paradox. And our readings today ask us to look boldly at both. In our story today from Mark, Jesus sits boldly opposite the treasury. The treasury was the temple fund dedicated to the life of the temple. And talking with my friend Rabbi Justin Goldstein, it appears that it was a well-known fact that the scribes and priests regularly absconded with these funds. For many of us, I am sure this text historically has focused on the second half of the story, namely the widow. Often referred to as the widow's might, this text has been interpreted for us as a tale of generosity and faith. The widow, with next to nothing to live on, gives it all to the temple fund, while the well-off put in much, but they have even more to live on. The interpretation of the widow's might puts our focus on the widow to see her act as mighty and holy, selfless and sincere. But today, Jesus speaks, sitting opposite the treasury, and he does so as an insider. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus had been teaching in that very temple. Jesus was a member of that very community. Jesus isn't sitting opposite a practice outside of his own life. He sits opposite his very own people, and his very own laws. And so Jesus begins this passage with a warning. Beware, he says. Notice that the story ends with a simple stating of fact. He says she put in everything she has, everything she had to live on. Jesus doesn't lift her up as an example to the disciples, but simply sits opposite the scene, observing and assessing exactly what is happening. So what is happening here in this story today, and what does it have to teach us? The rich put in their money, but they are able to walk away with their security while the widow, already a marginalized and oppressed person in the culture, is further oppressed by an institution of self-interest who is willing to let her walk away with nothing. 
Jesus sits opposite that scene and simply says, beware. And we must, we must be resilient enough to sit opposite our common life. We must be willing to observe and ask the hard questions. How are we? How are our institutions absconding with the very life of our neighbors? How are the laws and the practices and the values of our institutions leading to death and not to life? I believe that Jesus, sitting opposite the treasury, felt nothing but compassion for that widow. I believe that Jesus was asking the disciples to beware because the practice the widow felt obligated to participate in was actually leading to her death. What institution would ask a widow to whom they are actually called to serve and care for to give everything she had to live on, knowing full well that they were not good stewards of that fund, knowing she was not even allowed into the temple? What moral or ethic or law would allow such an action? So Jesus says, beware. Beware because that is the very nature of institutions. Once organized, institutions will do just about anything to remain relevant and alive. Because the powerful, in this example, the scribes and the priests, they become dependent on the institution for their very life. And as the powerful... They seek to keep their life unchallenged and comfortable. But because Jesus' power lies outside the institution, because he knows his power lies in the love of God, he is liberated to be within but sit opposite. He lives within the world but is free to question the world, to risk for the sake of the world. And because he promises us the same, that our worth and life come from following him and his example and from the love of God, we are also liberated to sit opposite our institutions and to beware. We have much to beware of these days. Friends, mass murders are a weekly occurrence for us. And our very own children were put on lockdown this week in their middle school twice because there was a threat to their safety from gun violence. And for us, this seems to have become normal. We cannot let this be the new normal for us. We must resist the normalizing of such violence and oppression. And we resist it by feeling our grief and by seeing what is actually happening. 
Our sisters and brothers in the Jewish community are still reeling from the ongoing anti-Semitism and the murders within their sacred space just two weeks ago. This violence has become normal to the Jewish community. It is a part of their shared history that goes so deep and is so pervasive that according to Rabbi Justin, the experience of death has become a sort of martyrdom that is simply a shared part of the Jewish story. What ethic or law or moral would allow such violence against Jews? What if I said the very laws and morals that would allow such violence can come from within our very own common life? What if I suggested that the rationale for the murder of Jews throughout history could be found within the interpretation of our very own holy scripture? Would you be willing to sit opposite that scripture with me and beware? I've been reading scripture differently since the mass murders in the Tree of Life synagogue two weeks ago. And when I read the epistle for today from the book of Hebrews, I heard Jesus saying, beware. So raise your hand or not, as Todd says. Internally raise your hand. If maybe even just for a second, at some point in your life, you thought that the book of Hebrews was in the Old Testament. Or if maybe you've never really actually read the book of Hebrews. There's a joke about Episcopalians and the Bible, and it goes a little something like this. We don't know it. Right, it's not funny. And of course, it's not totally true either, but for many of us, the Book of Common Prayer and the prayers in our church are easily recited, but if there was a race to turn to a particular book in the Bible, many of us here would lose. So the Book of Hebrews is in the New Testament. We have no idea who wrote it or who it was written for But we do know that the book of Hebrews was written for an audience that was quickly leaving the Reformed Jewish movement called Jesus Followers. This new institution of Jesus Followers was losing members, and so the book of Hebrews addresses those that were leaving or potentially leaving. It was really a plea for members to remain within this new institution. So this is a Bible. It's actually my dad's Bible. I grew up watching him study it uh, daily. And so when I was thinking about the book of Hebrews, I went to it to read the foreword before the book just to learn a little bit more. So if I can, I'm just going to read to you some from this book. It may take me a minute to find it. (laughs) Just kidding, I marked it. So this is what it says. The recipients of these letters were on the point of giving up their Christian faith 
and returning to Jewish beliefs and practices of their ancestors, to win them back to a firm adherence to Christianity, this author emphasizes three main points. One, the superiority of Jesus over the prophets, over the angels, and over Moses himself. Two, the superiority of Christ's priesthood to the Levitical priesthood. And three, the superiority of Christ's sacrifice offered. This text, purpose, along with the passion story of John, is and has been used historically for this purpose, to elaborate the superiority of Christianity over Judaism, to make superior Jesus and thus his followers over and against Jewish prophets and Jewish people. Rabbi Justin shared a story with me about his father growing up in the south side of Chicago in the 50s in a dominant Catholic community. He told me the story of his father as a young boy walking to school and daily dodging other boys, physically attacking him while yelling the words, Christ killer. This was a story told to Justin regularly as a boy. As we know, Justin grew up to be a rabbi here in Asheville and is involved in much interfaith work. He told me following a meeting where prayers had been offered in the name of Christ that for him it is next to impossible to hear Christ called upon without the words Christ killer washing over him. This generational trauma is real and thus the generational supremacy for us is also real. So what do we do with this book and the passion story offered by John? Are we called to excise them? Are we called to cease reading them, to stop telling the stories as written? I do not think we are called to excise them, but to confront them. To sit opposite them from within as Jesus sits opposite the laws and practices of his own institution in our scripture today. We are called to beware. The week following the murders in the Tree of Life synagogue, a large crowd gathered in public space here in Asheville downtown to publicly grieve this act of violence. At one point, Rabbi Justin called forth all clergy present to stand together on stage and recite a Jewish prayer for peace that is said weekly in the synagogues. The rabbi told me he expected maybe 15 clergy, but instead, over 60 clergy people gathered on that stage, standing in solidarity with that grieving community. Rabbi Justin said to me, for you all, that moment was probably a moment where you stood in your deepest value but for us, for Jews, it was a historical shift, a sea change from Christians standing over and against us to Christians standing with us. For us, he said, it was a healing moment where we thought to ourselves, 
there is a new possibility, a new understanding, new life. We can only stand with rather than over and against if we learn to sit opposite our own culture, traditions, and yes, at times, interpretation of our Holy Scripture. And listen. Listen deeply to how these aspects of our common life lead to life or to death for the other. We can only stand with if we are willing to have faith in the promise of liberation found in living the way of Jesus and not in the security of any supremacy. The liberation of all of God's people is our inheritance. It is also our call. Jesus says, beware, because liberation is not always, in fact, is rarely the work of institutions. But we, we are not beholden to any institution. We are beholden to a God that serves the widow and the oppressed. We are beholden to a God, to a God-made man, and to that way of life, to loving our neighbors as ourselves. We have been liberated from any institution or practice or law that is not based in that love in order to stand with all those whom God loves. So the question becomes, are we willing to sit opposite the things we hold dear, whether policies, laws, practices, liturgies, and yes, Holy Scripture, are we willing to read it, to hear it, to say, hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people, and then to ask, what is the Spirit saying to God's people, all of God's people? Amen.